This is Two Minutes About Time with Luke Allen and Robert E. G. Black, the podcast that takes a look at the film About Time, two minutes at a time. I'm Richard Curtis, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, well, you can just travel back in time two minutes and listen to something else. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Allen. I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Robert E. G. Black. Hello, hello. And with our special guest for this week, Callum Reed. Hello. So, Callum, to those who don't know who you are, uh, who are you? <laughs> uh, good question. Um, uh, I guess I'm a film fan in general, big Doctor Who fan, and yeah, I guess amateur filmmaker. Um, I'm not sure I quite fit that description yet. I've only got sort of one uh, thing up there. Well, that well, still counts. <laughs> I say, I say, I've only got, I've got, I've got this big. Um, series that me and my friends made years ago, but I don't think you want to spend time watching that. It's quite a hard watch to get through looking back, especially for me. But anyway, oh, I, I, a... I want to find out more about this because it's probably very similar to what I made years ago. Well, it's this zombie series oh, okay. um, called Dead, a uh, very uh, creative title. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's me and these friends that I used to go to this film club with. The film club that we went to um, stopped happening because the guys that ran it weren't making enough money and so we kind of carried it on on our own uh for a while that's what came of it but this was like five years ago now so it's quite a cringe fest okay you were making that around the same time as my doctor who fan series was going out (laughs) oh mad Uh, which honestly the next doctor that no one wants to see i (laughs) i only just took them off youtube a few months ago when i realized they were one of the first things that came up when you searched my name Um, honestly i'm surprised i'm surprised our stuff is still up there. Like, I forget it's on there a lot of the time. So, what, Callum, were your first experiences with the film About Time? Well, I was just thinking about this the other day. It's About Time is one of those films where I don't really have any distinct memories of my first time watching it. It's one of those films that um, seems to be on TV a lot. It's on a channel in the UK called Film 4. Like, it seems to be one of those films that just does the rounds on there every few months. So I guess my first experience of watching it was probably on there. And I don't think I probably watched it very intently because when I came to rewatch it in preparation for this the other day, I found myself like having forgotten so much about it and enjoying it way more than I ever remembered before. So I guess this podcast is kind of, that wouldn't have happened without this podcast. So that's one positive, first of all. I kind of have rediscovered how much I enjoy this film. But yeah, I can't I can't pinpoint a date on when I first saw it. It seems to be very frequent that people don't remember their first watching of it, or it hardly makes any impression on people the first time. The yeah, sec- it seems, I mean, seems that the second time is when it clicks for most people. Yeah, that definitely was the case with me. I mean, I watched it the other night at about 12 o'clock at night. And I just got really engrossed in it. I thought I was going to be, like, not really paying much attention and just looking at my phone a lot of the time. But I, I found myself just to get engrossed in it and just fell in love with all these characters that I'd just forgotten about. And also, Margot Robbie was a nice surprise. I forgot she was in it. Um, and I quite like her, as I think you do as well, Luke. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I said, I just kind of... Yeah, Margot Robbie, forgot. come on the show. Please. If Email you know, me. You've got to, Luke at Luke you've got to get me on... <laughs> You've got to get me on the episode for that if that happens. I, I think Robert will be asking all the questions. <laughs> I think I'll just yeah. be sat there. I can do that. Yeah, you'd just be in awe. And then we'll flip for Rachel McAdams, Robert. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so we open 81. Actually, with... be- before we get to 81, yeah. I just want to bring up a note I forgot to mention last week because it's sort of a behind the scenes thing. You label all our files as TMAT, right? With yeah. two minutes about time. Have you ever played Dungeons and Dragons? No. Because the queen of dragons or god of dragons, I forget what exactly she is. This five headed dragon is named Tiamat. It's also a name of like a, like mythology thing. You know, just for the record, Tiamat, coming from ancient Babylon, is the primordial goddess of the sea. In the Enuma Elish, the Sumerian epic of creation, she births the first generation of deities. In Dungeons and Dragons, Tiamat is the mother of chromatic dragons. She has five heads in her draconic form, and she lives in the first layer of Betor, the nine hells. So in, in retrospect, yeah, I, not surprised Luke didn't know this. Probably not his cup of tea, as they say. Back to the show. Every time I look at the files, I think of a dragon. And so last week when we had the line from Kit Kat about telling Posey, you know, go slay your monsters, it made me think of that. And I'm like, oh, this is really nice. It's She's she's telling this little kid how to slay her monsters. And then now this week we get to see Kit Kat's monsters. Mm. And I like it. Yeah. And... I, I, it's there's something so jarring in this minute about seeing Kit Kat in a serious scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, you're definitely right. It's it's very much a turning point for the film, both for the character of Tim and Kit Kat. Yeah. Now this this whole part of the film I understand, but it it it's possibly my least favorite part of the film. <sighs> I remember you saying that actually. Yeah. I, I was because I was listening to the first few episodes. Obviously, by the time this release this is released, that'll have been a while ago. But yeah, I was listening to the first few episodes of the podcast the other day, and I heard you mention I mean, that. It's like being in an ice, you know, in a in an ice cream in ice cream van and saying that's my least favorite ice cream. It's still a nice ice cream. Yeah, it's just I see what you mean. the others are nicer, and it's just for me, it's felt that a lot of this, although good, and we get to see more in depth as to Kit Kat and Jimmy, and I like that whole idea. The places it goes with time travel, and the more questions it leads to, I feel make it almost not worth. The, the worry and the struggle. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of, I think if, because up until this point, all the sort of uses of time travel had been quite sort of blasé and like kind of... Light. Yeah, light. So I think it kind of, need, at this point in the film, it needed to have that moment of kind of realising mm. how powerful a tool this is yeah. and that it can be used to sort of rectify or change some like tragic moments although as we then find out it can't yeah well that's what i was gonna mm. move on to uh, which is well, why it I can think there's just repercussions yeah which is why i think it's such a turning point in the film because it's when tim realizes this power won't be able to fix all his problems unless he wants to face the repercussions of it yeah, yeah so i mean I've, th- there are more questions that will come up and we'll discuss them as they happen so we, we see Kit Kat in a hospital bed, and Tim says, what happened? She says, we had a fight, and maybe I wasn't completely sober. Then we have Jimmy and Tim in the hallway. Jimmy, how is she? And so Tim says, not good. When does she leave you? From where? I want exact, exact time, exact address. And we we already, at that point, hear the sound effect come in. Uh, you know what he's travel. planning. Because yep. I do like that, definitely this one, we have it quite a lot, that you hear that sound and that's all you need. Like, you know, it's... Oh, you don't even need to really see the fist. We see the fist and it's a great shot, but you don't need it. So any, any particular notes on the actual flashback, Robert? 
This one, the order seems to all be kind of backward, which makes sense. But I like that it includes things we haven't seen because he's, he's flashing back through like with Kit Kat. And so we see, uh, this one we see Kit Kat and Jimmy or is that the next one? That might be the next one, but we see Kit Kat drinking from the Sabra vodka and drinking from the glass, like hanging out by herself, looking kind of sad. So also, I think something to take note of in this scene is it's the first time Tim actually involves the person that he's changing the life of in the yeah. act of time travel itself because he's he's changed the course of like other people's interactions with him before like like with I've forgotten her name now Rachel McAdams Mary Mary like obviously when he time travels to make her meet him and stuff that was affecting her and also when he makes his flatmates play like go smoothly yeah that was affecting him. But this is the first time he actually involves the person that it's about and tells them about the ability. Because yeah. he could have easily just time-traveled to the party himself and just distracted past Kit Kat. But he, instead that. of that, <laughs> instead of that, he takes her with him. That was a really long-winded yeah, explanation. I think we'll get... Whether it means anything, I don't know, but I just thought it was something... I think we'll get more to that when we go to that specific yeah, moment later, later on. Yeah. Because there, there is a lot that I've got to say about that. Annoyingly, I haven't got round to watching the commentary this week, so I don't have the behind-the-scenes notes that I normally have. That's okay, we'll have plenty. Um, yeah. So, Tim, you, there, you then see him and Kit Kat coming into the house. Tim says, here we are. Sorry, sorry, come on. And Mary says, hi. There she is. Kit Kat says, hey, does a small baby live here? <laughs> so I think the great thing is, even Kit Kat in this state, she's more interested in posy than she is in getting her life sorted yeah i think she's she's kind of directing all her attention onto other people because if she kind of focuses on herself for more than a minute she'll kind of fall apart and realize how much help she needs yeah. which is obviously what's what ends up happening she just like is with herself for too long and lets that tragic event take place I think, as well, with Kit Kat's great relationship that we see with Posey in the the previous minutes, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Posey ends up, like, in that special relationship with Kit Kat and Desmond. Yeah. Like, I don't know, I I, I can just sort of imagine that her, you know, Posey and Auntie Kit Kat and Great Uncle Desmond, you know, it's just, I, 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 I don't know, I just feel like they get on quite well, and I'd imagine a small child would really enjoy the company of Kit Kat and Desmond. I mean, Kit Kat's, like, I mean, not only is Kit Kat sort of got a quite childish personality to her, but just her her name, Kit Kat, like, mm-hmm. that sounds like a kid's nickname. Yeah. So I think it reflects well on, like, the, the way she's able to kind of project herself and, and get on so well with little kids. But then when it comes to, like, um, interacting with her friends and family that are similar to her age, she she kind of, that's where she struggles and where she where Tim realises she needs help. And it's also like her innocence and naivety whilst, you know, in this bad situation, both complements the serious situation she's in, but also juxtaposes it enough for us to realise there's a big concern here because from what we've seen, she can't look after herself. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously because Posey is, is a baby, she's not a massive character within the film in herself, but the relationship between Kit Kat and her I think is quite a notable sort of thing to take kind of meaning from and, and yeah. it, it tells you a lot about her character that she um kind of oh, I don't know what I was trying to say. Basically 
Well, she looks, uh, she looks after her. Like last week we saw her yeah. in the hospital is saying she could do anything. And then she's yeah. talking to her about slaying her monsters and she's, yeah. she's protecting this little kid or at least trying to tell her that she could protect herself. Yeah. And she, I think that's coming from a place of like her not wanting Posey to grow up and go down the route that she's gone right. down. Right. Yeah. And I think Robert, to go back to what we talked about way at the start of the show, uh, when we got, when we first meet Jimmy, even though we don't know who he is at that yeah. point, you have that shot of Jimmy giving her know, a drink, giving her drink. Yep. Yeah. Like obviously jokingly, but almost forcing alcohol down. Her. Well, that's one of those moments that I think is why people see more in the movie the second time is because even subconsciously they notice, Hey, I know that guy. When the first time we had no idea who that was, we didn't know he was going to matter. We yeah, see Jay at that part and he, we don't know him for a while after. Yeah, it's brilliant that this is Jimmy's, like, well, last minute was Jim, one of Jimmy's first lines in the film. Yeah. Other than a little background dialogue. And yet he's been there he's from been the start. He's been in like four scenes, yeah. We've heard about Jimmy, we've seen him in the background, he turns up to the wedding. Charlotte's Jimmy's cousin, you know, mm-hmm. it's... So yeah, he's like, he's important, but he, because he's not relevant to the story at this point, uh, until this point, there's no need for us to, for him to be the centre of attention. And, I mean debatably he never really is the center of attention so mary says i thought she was going to drive herself tim says turned out she couldn't she okay later and then we cut to the blue and purple streamers at the party um and we we, i mean we could go probably straight into 82 we we? should should note that rory i think this is this is before the part rory is already there with this big stuffed animal just hanging out it's just him and posey in that room which is funny you see all these characters you want to see more of Mm -hmm. I think that, I think that's the, the sort of kind of trope that Richard Curtis has, no matter how sort of minor a character is. They've always got some sort of like quirk that makes them memorable. Yeah. Even if it's, even if it's for like the right or the wrong reasons. But I think that's always something Richard Curtis does in everything I've seen of his. Sorry, Robert, I've just read, just read your note about that moment with Rory. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, why don't we see Kit Kat and Jay together? Not Jay, Kit Kat and Rory together. They're, they are a better match than Kit Kat and Jay. Maybe. We don't really ever get to know Jay other than what Joanna said about him before. But yeah, my note here was, uh, I want Rory and Kit Kat to have a shot. Dodgy Jay can sod off. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is interesting that Rory's, he's not even given the bear to Posey yet. Like, he's hes just enjoying the company of the bear himself. Well, he's waiting for the party. So... Yeah, should we just slide yeah. right into 82? Yeah, okay. go on then. In the garden. Tim says, I'm worried about Kit Kat. Mary says, yeah, I know. She was drinking wine while we were drinking tea. And Jimmy wasn't nice to her. And she spurned the purple cupcakes. And Tim says, we have to do something to fix it. Mary says, yeah, but, you know, if it's going to be fixed, if it's got to be fixed, I think she's probably got to do it herself. Tim says, maybe. Maybe not. Okay. Pause. Yeah. It bothers me that the camera switches to Tim for the maybe not. Because I want to see Mary's face. Because, like, he says maybe not. I'm like, what is she thinking about what is going on? Yeah. But like, we don't get to know. The fact that she doesn't know about the time travel ability, like, when he says maybe not, that must be so sort of, like, ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And, like, and, it's like, what uh, are you going to do? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you thinking? Well, I'm going to hire an assassin. Uh, <laughs> We're going to kill Jimmy. Yeah. So, um, Callum, I guess the other question is, have you seen any other Richard McAdams time travel films? <laughs> huh. Well, funny you should say that, because uh, when I was like talking to my mum about 
the fact that I was going to be on uh, the podcast the other day. She said, oh, you know what's another great film you should watch is The Time Traveler's Wife. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, I've heard of that. And I was, like, looking it up. And I didn't realise that Rachel McAdams was in it. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, oh, wow, what a coincidence. So then I watched About Time the other day. And then when I finished it, I did what I quite often do when I've watched a film, is go on Letterbox. Now, I don't know. Yeah. I think you have Letterbox. Uh, yeah, we're both on Luke. Letterbox. You're yeah. both on Letterbox. So you know it's a site where you can review films and stuff. So I was looking at Letterbox after I'd watched the film. And uh basically, I saw a review that said something along the lines of Richard Curtis saw The Time Traveler's Wife and thought Rachel McAdams deserved better. And that was why you made this film. <laughs> I, also, I was thinking, I know this is off topic again, but you can cut this out if you want. I don't know whether it might be quite a fun sort of segment to do on like every, every so often on the podcast is to find a few reviews on Letterbox of About Time that just like hate on it and like just dissect them yeah. and, and like. Why haven't we done this take, yet? <laughs> take the myth out of them. Cause there were some quite funny ones on there when I was looking the other day. So I don't know whether that might be quite a Okay, we've only had one person on the show who hated the film, and he'd only seen the minutes we'd done. Incidentally, that was Keith from The Office. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, I'm not the biggest Richard Curtis fan. I'll I'll watch Love Actually when it's on at Christmas. My parents watched it the other day, actually, because it was on TV. I was like, why are you watching this? It's April. But yeah, I can stand it when it's on at Christmas. Four Weddings and a Funeral, I absolutely despise. My mum made me watch it once because she was like, oh, you've got to watch this, it's a classic. And every single minute of that film just infuriated me. No amount of Richard Grant, uh, Richard, um, what's his name? Hugh Grant, sorry. No amount of Hugh Grant mumbling can make up <laughs> for how rubbish the film is. I don't care how handsome he is. It's just, uh, it just infuriated me. In and all fairness, I... the part of Love Actually I like is Liam Neeson and the little boy. Uh, yeah, I don't blame you for that. Uh, but what I was going to say is, um, about time, the reason I was so sort of shocked at how much I enjoyed it when I rewatched it the other day is because it has every single trope that I don't like about rom-coms and Richard Curtis films. It still has every single one of them, and yet I somehow find it infectious and just fall in love with it. And I don't know what it is that makes this film different. I mean, maybe it's the fact that it's about time travel and I'm a Doctor Who fan, but even so, it doesn't stick to the laws of time travel. But I just find myself not caring. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, it sounds very similar, what you're saying, to what I heard as Mark Kermode's review for Mamma Mia, where he was I like, would... my opinions are still here, but it's like in watching the film, what was right and wrong got mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> and I came out I was... loving it for everything I hate about it. Do you know what? I was going to bring up Mark Kermode, actually, because I was watching a few reviews of the film in preparation for coming on here, and I watched his review, or listened to his review about, about time, and it literally summed up my exact thoughts on the film. So but he basically said, when you're watching the film, it's like your brain is split into two sections, the sentimental, soppy part of your brain, and the cynical, like, critical film analysis part of your brain. And they're basically just fighting against each other for the main runtime of the film. But then the further on the film gets, your sentimental part of the brain wins the battle and you just end up just not caring about any flaws the film has by the end of it. Because it's just, it's just like a little warm hug, um, about time. 
So in follow-up to your suggestion, Callum, sorry if I interrupted you there, um, for reading a review, I found a half a star review for About Time here. Oh, here And I think there is a possibility that this should... the ranting If you agree with me, Robert. Yeah. (laughs) So if (laughs) possibility, Robert, that maybe we should read a bad review every week until the show's done. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. So this will be the latter part of the show anyway, but it's a nice way to finish it off. So once again, this is the opinions of... Not the opinions of us. Rant engaged. I really hate this movie. I really effing hate this movie. I have painful, overwhelming hatred for this movie. Where to start? Honestly, I don't know where to start. Well, let's start with the dialogue. I think this is supposed to be funny, in that Richard Curtis way of not being funny in the slightest. (laughs) Ever since Notting Hill has the same kind of dialogue. Bad puns, witty one-liners, and people so smug you want to punch them. (laughs) 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 It's a... The review's hilarious. Right, and people so smug you want to punch them in their entitled little faces until you beat the funny out of them. How did the guy who once co-wrote Blackadder go on to do this unfunny, irritating drivel? Okay, I've delayed long enough. What I really hate about this movie is its message. The same message that appears in every effing movie in this effing genre for the last 20 effing years. Embrace life and live. It's that easy. Notice the little things. Live every day to the fullest. Live every day like it's your last. Hey, about time. Can I let you in on a secret? Life doesn't work that way. Well, thanks about time. Thank you for curing me of my social anxiety. Thank you for fixing my Oh, I think I saw life. this review. Thank you for making me see all that I need to do is live and that I'll be fine. It makes me so happy to know what a man who has made a career of writing samey, non-threatening romantic comedies is teaching me about living my life to the fullest. I'm so effing happy. Funny that a movie that's so sentimental can make me feel so pessimistic. I just want to yank this movie's insincere optimism and throw it in the back in its face wrapped in a big ball of cynicism. And of course, now I... I'm noticing it bloody everywhere, even in movies I liked. Instead of making me notice the little things that made life worth living, this just made me hate life. This just made me notice all the things they have that I don't. Look at these people's lives. They're perfect. Nothing goes wrong. Nothing ever effing goes wrong. Oh, what? He's a bit awkward around other people. Oh, boo effing who? You live in a massive effing house in Cornwall next to the beach. You watch movies projected in the back in the back wall of your effing house, and then you leave for London where you instantly have a place to stay with a playwright and then meet the girl of your dreams who instantly likes you when there's no effing effort involved in anything this guy effing does. Nothing. And if there is, it's never shown. Like, he's a lawyer. We're just told this. No builds. No him training to become one, which is hard work. No, he's just a lawyer. Everything is just handed to this guy on an effing platter. These are the most entitled effing people I've ever seen, and I hated every effing one of them. Okay, I think I'm good now. Rant disengaged. Uh, that was that was a journey. It, it's a good week to read that one, actually, because this is a week where we're seeing that there is things that go wrong, and there is, a, like, a struggle to fix them. And there was definitely a struggle to get together with Mary, because he had to try three times. And he had to sit in a museum for days and days, and he had to... There was risk involved. It's a romantic comedy level of risk, but it's still there. I mean, yeah, I don't even I mean, normally defend romantic comedies, but I don't like this review. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, un- it's I, I understand why he didn't like it. Yeah, but it's once again, it's another one of these. I don't understand where... why he saw it. Yeah, good point. And once again, it's like everything he seems to have hated on it for is why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> it works for me. Well, I mean... Are we allowed to read out a review like that? We can do that, right? Yeah. Yeah, she put it on I mean, Letterboxd, Letterbox, technically, so... Yeah, Letterboxd is a public site. But yeah, I mean, thing is, if <laughs> if his... If his, 
if his review was for any other romantic comedy, I'd probably agree with it. But like I've said, there's just something about this film that just makes me forget all that cynicism yeah. and just like just like let it kind of envelop me in its sort of sappiness. I just scrolled down um, to the comments on this review too, and it's like, you need a nap. Who hurt you? Wrong. <laughs> Who hurt you? <laughs> all of you should try therapy. Oh, I, I I saw a brilliant review the other day. It wasn't for About Time, but I think you could apply it to About Time. It was for a film that came out at the end of last year called Last Christmas. I don't know if you've heard yeah. of it. Yeah, um, yeah, I didn't see it, but Emilio, I know. Emilio Clarkin. And I watched it last night, not by choice. My parents were watching it. Again, Christmas movie. And I was going to see it until it was spoiled for me. But anyway, well, I saw a but review that just <laughs> pretty much... I saw a review that summed up exactly how I felt, and I think you could probably apply it to About Time too. And it basically said, um, hang on, let me find it before I read out wrong. Here we go. It said, because I am both a terrible cynic and an irredeemable sap, there were a confusing ten minutes towards the end of the film, during which my <laughs> body was waging a battle between <laughs> tears and incredulous laughter. And I was like, yep, that's exactly what happened. Anyway, back to the film. Yeah. So, well, we've only got a tiny bit to to finish off, where he's where Tim is talking to Kit Kat on the beach, and he says, "My darling, what happened? You're the best person in the world. You're top equal with my wife. I don't get it." And Kit Kat says, "Maybe, just maybe, I'm the faller. Every family has like someone who falls. Who?" And that's the end of our minute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think maybe every Monday we look at a bad review. Obviously, as we said, like we like the film. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just it's just fun to hear what other people don't like about it. And I mean, I it's if that... people have got this far into the show, they're not going to think that this is our opinion we're reading out here. Richard Curtis, if you've got this far in the show, respect listening for this far. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't it's... even know if I'm listening this far. Yeah, very <laughs> stop um... <laughs> listening. It's it's especially fun for me to read these reviews because, like. In the case of any other romantic comedy, I'd probably agree with what they were saying, but it sh- I, d- I, d- I can't pinpoint what it is that makes me forget about all the, the sort of cynicism um, and all the like plot points that you could pick apart, but it's, it's funny to see the people that can't look past them. I think it's just, I like sentimental films. If a film makes me cry, I like it. <laughs> like, see, I, it could be yeah. a film that's awful for an hour, and then has a sad bit, and then I'll just be like, oh, okay, it's a great film. <laughs> And it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm not like that. That's good. I don't know why I'm like that. I went through a point, I think I said on the show, like, when lockdown started, just all the anxiety of, like, the whole situation and exams being cancelled and no more school and blah, 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 just made it so weird for me that I cried at, like, every film for a week. Yeah, <laughs> like, fair enough. These films you wouldn't expect to cry at, and I was just really emotional. I mean, in all fairness... I think I sent you, Callum, my, like, re-edit of About Time. That I yeah, I haven't watched it yet, no, but I'll have a look. I say, if you just watched the film, there's not, you know, there's not much point. But while I was editing that, I was crying at, like, the dad's death. Like, at the funeral, like, I knew it was coming. And I knew yeah. all the music, but as soon as Into My Arms came in, I was yeah, bawling. Yeah. It was just, oh. Yeah, so I don't know, this, Richard Curtis just knows how to make emotional films. That's, yeah, that's how my notes for the like the last last week and going into this week and next week have been like that. Like even though it's I'm slowing the movie down, it's still emotional. Mm. So have we got any final comments on eighty two before we wrap up this Monday? I don't think so. So yeah, so Callum, where can listeners find you on social media? 
they can find me on Instagram at Cal Reed Productions, which is where I post all my kind of film and photography and Photoshop related work, a lot of which at the moment I'm doing for college. So it's probably going to come in bursts. Like uh, you'll probably get like a week where I post like three times and then I'll disappear for like three months. But yeah, if you want to see what I'm kind of doing and if you want to make it look like I'm being productive, then you can follow me in there. If you just want to see rambles about mostly Doctor Who and some other films, you can follow me on Twitter at Callum Reed underscore. And Robert, where can listeners find you? Social media, Robert E.G. Black. And otherwise, if you forget that, go to lemmydrops.com for links to all my stuff. And the listeners can find me on Twitter at Llama underscore Bottle Zero. They can find me on Instagram at the Ginger Luke. They can find me on Facebook at Luke Allen Film. All podcasts, radio appearances, short films, newspaper articles, anything I'm remotely involved in is probably at lukeallen.co.uk. And um, this shows on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Two Men's About Time. They can also join our Facebook group, The Cupboard, to discuss all things about time, all tangents we have, anything. Maybe you could share some bad reviews you've seen of the film, all your own bad reviews, and you know maybe we'll read them out on a Monday. Uh, or we won't, because by the time this is out, we'd have recorded it all. Never mind. It's a good idea in, in concept. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, never mind. If we'd thought of this from Square One, maybe if it's a really good one, we'll, me and Robert will we'll, get back together. We'll after edit it into an earlier episode. Weeks yeah, and that's good. Before the idea was but, given to us. That's weird. It's like time travel. Whoa, time, it's like time travel. <laughs> but it has to be a really bad review. Yeah. And minimal expletives if possible. Uh, does anyone know any interesting ways to say goodbye? Because I forgot to Google it this week. Oh wait, we're doing. I didn't realize you were doing interesting ways to say goodbye. I don't think that's happened yet. It's, <laughs> no, it's barely a thing work. at first, and then it, he got obsessed. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, mm. I'm trying to think of a Doctor Who quote because that's just how my mind works. All I can think of is Alan Z, which is basically the opposite of goodbye. If the, the, the question is whether you can be double productive with the theme of this show and do a quote from Richard Curtis's episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, I can't believe I've not mentioned that yet. Oh well, it's we've fine. We've got two more still days. Got two more episodes. Yeah. Um, well, right. maybe maybe we'll be special and end this one without a goodbye. Yeah, we'll just we'll just disappear into the abyss. Our voices will just fade away. I think it'd be great, really funny, if we uh, just finish this episode in the middle of this car. The Two Minutes About Time theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of the About Time theme originally composed by Nick Laird Close. Two Minutes About Time is a production of Lemming Drop Studios in association with Bottle O Productions. That was very good.